All right, we just want to welcome you. This is your first time in New Philly. Want to say welcome. How many of you guys, this is your first time today? All right. I like that, sister. Yeah. I like that. Joy of the Lord. Amen. Um, today I'm going to continue to uh, renew my commitment to shorter messages, so <laughs> we're going to clap. All right, I'm going to clap at the 45-minute mark, Naima. 45 minutes, give me. All right, when Naima holds up her uh, time, time card, everyone just start clapping, and uh, I will wrap it up a little quicker than last week. Yesterday at our leadership meeting, we um, announced some very important announcements about our Busan church plant. We're going to be sending down six people uh, to go down uh, probably late this year or early next year uh, to serve and build up our seaside community, our Busan church plant that we started about a year ago. So they're going to be leaving, and we announced the names of who they are. And we also announced the names of those who will be going down to Sydney to help build up our first international church plant, uh, which has already started, but we're going to be doing our public opening service in April of next year. And so we announced eight people that are going to be moving out of Korea down to Sydney, along with our campus pastors who are brand new uh, announced yesterday. It was a big surprise to everyone. Uh, and so we're moving forward. Amen? Amen. We're moving forward. So um, and get, a, get, a, get a control on this stuff. Come on. All right. Don't cut, don't cut my flow. <laughs> ah, all right. I'm thankful for everyone in the house. What is, what is that? Why does it sound like that? Make it, make make. All right. All right. God bless. God bless everyone. Merry Christmas. God bless everyone. I love everyone. I'm thankful for everyone serving. Sorry. All right. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Let me just preach the message today. Mark chapter 10. Verse 29 and 30. 29 and 30. Verse 29 and 30. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's the context here is the rich young ruler. 
comes up to Jesus and says, How can I inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Well, you know the commands. The guy says, Well, I've been obeying them since I was a kid. Jesus looks at him. The Bible says he loved him. He looked at him and said, Sell everything you have and come follow me. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler turned around and walked away in sorrow because he was a man of great possessions. Then Jesus said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. And then the disciples were like, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And then Peter says, Jesus, we left everything to follow you. And you can kind of tell Jesus, you know, just kind of laying back, kind of phlegmatic mode, just kind of like, all right, Peter. And Jesus responds to Peter's, you know, like kind of boasting, like we left everything. Look, this rich guy couldn't do it, but we did it. We left everything to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus says this, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life which was the original question the rich young ruler asked Jesus says you follow me you're getting eternal life it wasn't about the, the letter of selling everything, giving to the poor and following Jesus. That's not how you be, inherit eternal life. Following Jesus is the key. But sometimes when you follow Jesus, it requires for you to leave behind your possessions. It requires for you to sell everything you have and give to the poor. And in this case, for this guy, that was what was required and he just couldn't do it. It wasn't that he couldn't just do that. It was just that he, he couldn't really follow Jesus. He couldn't really pay the cost that's involved in following Jesus. But Jesus says, check this out. You follow me, you get eternal life. But you'll also be blessed in this life. With persecutions. I, I chose the Mark passage because Mark doesn't exclude that. That little paraphrase. Paragraph, the, uh, the parenthetical little phrase, you know, with persecutions. Anyway, when you follow Jesus, sometimes it requires for us to leave things behind. Things like your hometown, your land, your possessions, relationships, comforts, cheesesteaks. And even family. There is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost to spread the gospel. It says in Luke chapter 9. To another Jesus said follow me. But the man said Lord let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said I will follow you Lord. But let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The guy's like, whoa. 
I don't live that far. Jesus, let me just go do this real quick. Now, Jesus is not talking about abandoning your family, being negligent and taking care of them. Jesus himself made sure that his mother Mary was taken in by the disciple John right before he died on the cross. Jesus is not giving us his blessing here to neglect and ignore our families. He created the family. It's his idea. And we need to take care of our families. But what Jesus is teaching here is, he is putting priority on following him. He's saying, yeah, it's important to, to take care of your family. But what is the priority in your life? Because let me show you what number one is. Number one is in following Jesus. He's putting priority on doing his will over what is the cultural norm. Putting priority on the call of God to proclaim the kingdom. Putting priority on your relationship with God over the closest human relationship that most people have, which is family. This is a message you may not hear at a Korean church. These are passages that Korean pastors oftentimes will not touch. The world, when they see you following Jesus, they may perceive that you're abandoning your family. And your family may even accuse you of neglecting them. But you must never move from the understanding that you are simply putting priority on the kingdom. It's not that you are abandoning and neglecting your family. It's just simply that this is what it looks like for me. This is the cost I have to pay to put priority on following Jesus. Right now, Jesus is calling me to go over here to this nation. It's not that I don't like you, family. It's not that I'm, being, I'm abandoning you, my friends. It's not that I don't love you, Columbia KCCC. It's just that putting priority on following Jesus right now, this is the cost that's involved. In fact, another passage where Jesus turns to a great multitude of people who are following him, who were more like groupies than true disciples of Christ. Now, Jesus, he knows when to use shock value. I don't, I just use it whenever. I'm learning, I'm learning. Jesus says, in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother, his own father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus, what are you doing? You got thousands of people following you. Why are you saying these things? You're just going to drive them away. But Jesus is not looking for people that are just going to go along for the ride, the bandwagon, just for a leisurely stroll. No, Jesus is calling us to walk the hill of Calvary, the path of the cross. For us to accomplish His will, there is cost involved. There is sacrifice involved. He wants you all in. So He's going to tell you up front what's going to be involved in following Him. The cost of following Jesus is not light. Sometimes it can cause division in your family. 
Matthew 10.34, Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? What Jesus are we talking about? I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. I don't know about this anymore, Jesus. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to set me against my father? I love my father. I love my mother. I love even my mother-in-law. Why would you set me against them? If your priority is not on following him, you won't get very far. Your relationship with God, your commitment to God... Your love for God has to be number one and everything else a distant second. If that's not what's set in your heart, you're not going to get very far. Because following Jesus has its costs. In fact, the priority must be so high that your love for your family and your own life will seem like hatred in comparison to your love for God. That's how much love you got to put on your love for God. It's the number one commandment. To love Him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Did I get that right? Your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Yeah, come on. He doesn't command us to love our neighbor like that. But he does command us to love him like that. That love for God has to be a high number one. And everything else is a distant second. In fact, so distant it may even feel like hatred to some. It may even be perceived that way. But that's how much you've got to put your priority on him. Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to take up your cross. The cross symbolizes the cost and the self-denial involved in obeying Jesus and spreading the gospel. And Jesus said, you want to follow me? You got to take up your cross. You got to learn how to live at a place where you don't demand your own rights. You let go of your senses of entitlement to things. And you understand that this adventure is going to be a wild ride. And sometimes it's not about you. It's going to be about others. It's not going to be about your family, putting your family first. It's going to be about blessing the families of the earth through you. Jesus said, whoever saves his life will lose it. Meaning, if you try to save your life, you try to rescue your life from a life of obedience to God. You think of your life fully sold out to God. This is what life looks like. Full obedience to God. Some of it is not even true. Like there's a lot of deception there. Like 
Full obedience to God means living in the jungles of the Amazon. It means living, you know, with a loincloth on in the middle of some sub-Saharan Africa desert. I don't know. There might be even deception involved there. But you have your own idea. And you go, this is what a life sold out to God looks like. I'm going to save myself from that. If you try to save your life, you rescue your life from a life of full obedience to God, Jesus said, you're going to lose it. Meaning, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to discover that your life was a complete waste. You want to talk about loss? What a complete loss. Your whole life wasted. You spent all your energy resisting the will of God rather than obeying the will of God. You know, by the way, it takes more energy to run away from God than to walk with Him. I tell you that. You look at Jonah, man. It took a lot of energy to run away from God because God is everywhere. He's in the sea. He's on the ship. He's everywhere. That's good. It takes more energy to run away from God. Write that down, Todd. It's not on my notes. It takes more energy to run away from God than it is to walk with Him. But if you lose your life for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel, for the cause of Christ, Jesus says, oh, you're going to find it. Oh, you're going to find it to be true life, abundant life. You're going to find the meaning of life, the purpose of life. You lose it for my sake and you will find it. So many people are just living and breathing, but they're not living life. They're just waiting to die. It is only those who do the will, of the, the will of the Father that are experiencing true life. Because the Father, He's designed what your purpose is supposed to be. He's got a plan for your life. You're wasting all your energy to run away from that plan. And you're going over there all depressed. You're all frustrated. You're, you're going and taking on jobs that God doesn't even want. You're not even gifted in those areas. You're trying to... Try out for a superstar K and K pop star, and you ain't making none of the auditions. Because God's got you running away from God's plan. God's like, I don't want you to sing. I want you to preach the word, the gospel. I want you to take the mic and do something else with it. But you run away. You don't hear any of what God is saying. You you try to save your life in that way, you will lose it. But if you will lose it for his sake, you're gonna find it. Now, I want to read the original passage I read at the very beginning, Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. I want you to listen. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus promises that if anyone leaves house, siblings, parents, children, or land for his sake and for the gospel, that person will not fail to receive a hundredfold in this life. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands in this age with persecution. And in the age to come eternal life. That's a promise. Jesus is saying to Peter, don't fool yourself. You think you made all these sacrifices. You can't outgive God. You sacrifice for God, God will bless you. 
God will reward you. It may not always look like what you had hoped. But you will be a rich man in terms of the blessing of God. For everything you leave behind, God will bless you. In other words, there is a cost to following Jesus. You may have to lose things. You may have to leave things behind. But if you do it for His sake and for the gospel, the Lord will bless you. There will be a reward. You may be required to pay a cost, but when you obey Jesus, there is never a loss. There is no loss. Let me say that again. There is no loss. Now, to get you to where you are at today, you may have had to leave things behind. But as a people of God, we need to stop seeing loss as loss. And start seeing loss as gain. The word of God is revealing to us that when we make sacrifices for the kingdom, there is no loss. You may have left things behind. Your family, comforts, job, your boyfriend. But God called you to leave those things behind to take you to a higher place. To position you to enter the promised land. He's taking you higher, but you're too busy grieving over what you left behind that you are blinded from all of the blessings that God has surrounded you with. The privilege, the grace, the rich relationships He surrounded you with. God is wanting to move you forward, but you need to stop grieving over what you left behind. Stop seeing loss as loss and start seeing loss as gain. Because in the kingdom, there is no loss. When you leave something behind for Jesus, He blesses you. He takes you to a higher place. You know, many Christians will say yes to the Lord. Make a decision out of obedience. And then be miserable when things don't turn out the way they had hoped. (laughs) Or things are moving slower than expected. Then they start looking back at everything they left behind. They get all depressed. Why did I ever leave all that stuff behind? Man, I had it good. Some Christians never kick out of this mindset. And it prevents them from moving forward. They become like Lot's wife. In the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, angels of the Lord come and they get Lot's family. And they said, you need to get out of this city. We have personally seen how wicked this city is. The, the wrath of God is going to fall on, on this Twin Cities. You need to get out. And the Bible says that Lot was reluctant. Lot kept trying to persuade them. Not, I don't know what Lot was thinking. Lot was just in a lot of foolishness. His wife was even in more foolishness. The angel said, don't look back. Just keep going. Or you will surely be destroyed. You better get out of here because this... It's going to be like an atomic bomb dropping on the city. Don't you dare look back. And as they were going up the plane, the Bible says that Lot's wife turned around. Because she couldn't stop thinking about how good she had it in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now the cities were, they were nice cities. 
If you think of a nice metropolitan city today, that was the ancient equivalent back then. It was a city that was flourishing, but it was also flourishing in wickedness. God's judgment fell on that city and she turned around and the Bible says she became a pillar of salt. You know, when I read that as a kid, I got scared. <laughs> I was like, oh man, God turns people into pillars of salt. Oh, snap. And my voice cracked just like that. And some Christians are just like Lot's wife. They don't realize the gracious work that God is doing and they just keep looking back. On what they've lost. What they've left behind. And they just effectively become a useless pillar of salt. Salt belongs somewhere. Salt preserves. Salt has purposes. But salt in a big old pillar, it ain't nothing good. Than just to look at it and kick it over. I don't even know how a pillar of salt stands up. Like that's some strong salt. Anyway. I think my grandma used to say like, if you go into uh, the Middle East, you can still see that pillar of salt. And I was like, oh, snap, I'm scared more. Man, Korean adults, man, they play with your mind. They tell you, they picked you up under a bridge. I don't know where they got that from. But man, they told, you, they told me that all the time. I have no idea why. Did not, did not stir up an ounce of Thanksgiving toward my family. Anyway. A lot of Christians, they become like Lot's wife. If you want to move forward, brothers and sisters, you got to stop turning around. Some Christians, they, they make a change, they pay a price, they go to a new place, and they get abundantly blessed. Things are going forward in exact timing, but they're still miserable. Because all they think about is what they left behind. We need to stop seeing loss as loss. And start seeing loss as gain. Now, this is a message that was inspired by a teaching by Pastor Robert Daniels three years ago or two years ago. When I was listening to this, the Lord just stirred something in my heart. You know, if God has you at New Philly at this hour, here in Korea or even at this church, or for some of you, if the Lord has led you to make a 10 year commitment to build up this church, as a foreigner, God's called you to be here and to make a 10-year commitment that look around and rejoice. You got it good. Korea is not that bad of a place to live. He could have called you somewhere else. You're here in Korea with clean subways. You got cell phone reception in the subway. We don't have that in New York City still. You got it good here. Look around and rejoice. Be thankful for the blessings that God has given you here in this community, here in this city. And stop grieving about what you left behind in Ohio. Or what you left behind in Arkansas. Or what you left behind in Canada of all places. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, they're just examples, random examples. They're just random examples. I'm sorry, this is random examples. Yeah, and for some people, the things that they left behind, it wasn't even that good. But you know, from a distance, it always looks nicer. It, look, it always looks more glorious. When you were in it, you were miserable. 
But now that you're thousands of miles away from it, you're like, oh, those are the good old days. You know, people with a melancholy temperament, they have a tendency to do this. You know what I called it? I call it the Egypt syndrome. God took you out of slavery and bondage. He's preparing to take you into the promised land. But when things get tough or things don't go your way, you immediately start reminiscing about Egypt. Oh, those onions back in Egypt. Oh, I want some of them leeks, some onions back in Egypt. Just like the Israelites did. A lot of Christians do this. Look, stop reminiscing about your old boyfriend. Oh, but he was so tall and handsome. Yeah, but he was also selfish and rude and used to verbally abuse you. Stop grieving over what you left behind. What you left behind, let's see it in truth. Some of you, what you left behind was oppressive. It was suffocating. It was manipulative. It was intimidating. It was full of immorality and deception. Stop grieving over those things. Leave it behind and rejoice. That God is placing your feet in a firm place. God is positioning you to enter the promised land. You know, on Friday, our intern pastor, David Ahn, he preached a message called, Be an Ant. We need to be, be an ant. We need to, ants recognize the seasons they're in. They're little, they're little creatures without a very big brain, but they understand <laughs> what season they're in. When they realize it's getting to be winter, they start storing up. Or, or they, they should have stored up by winter, <laughs> or they're about to die. <laughs> You got to work during the, the, the harvest season. You got to recognize the season you're in. You know, I, I think I, sometimes we do this with the four seasons. You know, when we live in a four season area like New York City or Philly or, or Seoul, Korea, you know, people who live in four seasons, they're always going, man, it's so hot. I wish it was winter. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, it's so cold. I wish it was summer. <laughs> Enjoy the season you're in. You know, sometimes God will call us to leave our families behind temporarily for a season. Or even permanently. He just hasn't told you yet. And for some of you, especially for those who have that kind of responsibility... And that ownership to take care of your family, especially if, you're, if your parents are getting older, you have that strong sense of responsibility, sometimes God will test your heart. Because ultimately, you know who really takes care of your family, right? It's God. You're not going to do a very good job. You can help in that, but you got to let God do it. Sometimes we just get in the way. And for some people like that, God will actually test you this way. And, and call you to leave behind your family for a season. Or, or do it permanently, but do it in waves so you don't even know what's going on. But still provide for your family. 
My family's here in, in America. I got my car in America. I'm, I'm not moving here. I'm not moving to Korea. I'm like, I'm just come to Korea. <laughs> Let me take care of you. I'm like, my mom's still living in the same home that I grew up in. That neighborhood is dangerous. It's not that dangerous. On a scale of one to ten, I'd say it's like, it's like a six and a half. <laughs> But there is neighborhoods in Philly. It's like a nine and a ten at all times. Like you just go, you leave your car unopened for like six minutes, everything will be gone, including your tires. I mean, I mean, back in the 80s, it was a lot worse because there was crack cocaine. So everybody was hung up on drugs. They used to rob everybody. But well, I don't want to talk about that. I'm just saying, my mom needs to move to Korea. <laughs> mom, move here so I can take care of you. You're getting old. Let me take care of, let my sister and I take care of you. We're here. You're there. Come. And she says, no. I said, Lord, come on. And Lord says, why, is there a problem? <laughs> Has your mom ever gotten robbed? No. My aunt got robbed while my mom was with her. <laughs> But my mom did not lose anything. She did not get robbed that day, nope. Was your house ever broken into? Growing up, my sister and I, we always forget the key. And we'd always like climb in through the window. We'd always break into our own home. <laughs> That's the most foolish thing to do in the world. The whole neighborhood's watching. You break it into your own home in the, day, in the in daylight. Anyway, my sister and I always, always used to do that. We always used to worry, oh no, somebody's going to come rob us. One day somebody's going to see us do that and they're going to do the same thing. In fact, my cousins lived four houses down. It's a row home, so we're, they're all connected. Four houses down... And they got robbed three times. Armed robbery. Straight up. Men came into the home. One time my, mom, my aunt was in the bedroom on the second floor. Men just came into the home. And just took everything. But my mom's house. Whenever I go to Philly, the blinds are up. The TV's showing. Everything in the living room. It's like, my mom's like, come, take whatever you want. <laughs> So, you know, when I was in college and when I was doing ministry with KCC, you know what I used to pray all the time? Lord, post your angels around my mom's home on the front and the backyard. <laughs> post your angels, Lord, and scare any would-be thief. Break, make leprosy break out on their skin or something. Lord, mess them up if they come near my mom's house. You know, and I can't. I can't explain it. My mom has been safe and healthy. My, my God, God's really taking care of her. As I've been serving the Lord, I mean, God's really been taking care of her. God's been taking care of Aaron's parents. God's been taking care of my dad. My dad fell, like I told you, a factory accident where he got electrocuted. He fell from like 25 feet high. Fell straight down. No helmet, nothing. He just fell 
and he just got right back up. He blacked out because he got electrocuted, but then after he fell, he just got back up, and then he had some like back pain for like two weeks. But other than that, he was he didn't fracture nothing. My dad told Aaron and I a month ago when we were eating kogi, <laughs> when we were eating meat, and he was like, I, I'm just so fascinated by what happened. I don't know what happened. I should have died. I should have gotten hurt, but I just got right back up. Yes, there is our part to take care of our families. But sometimes we, we try to determine what that part is. And we got to let God determine that. We got to be willing and ready to serve them, to be there for them. But sometimes if God says, I need you to go over here and take care of my family. I need you to go over here to Australia and start a new church plant. Because there's so many young people that are walking around blind, orphaned, don't know who they are. I need you to go over there because you know who you are, son. You know who you are. I need you to go over there and help them to discover who their father in heaven is. Help them to discover what their true identity is. That they are royalty. That they are princes and princesses. That they have authority and power. I need you to go over there and help out that family. What about my family, Lord? I told you. I need you to go over there and take care of this family. I'll take care of your family in the meantime. Just trust me. And some people, they hear that and they go, uh, Nah, that probably wasn't you, Lord. I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. And plus, you know, I got this boyfriend. He's tall and handsome. <laughs> yeah, he talks down to me a lot. And uh, sometimes uh, he raises his voice. And uh, yeah, he's a little verbally abusive. But, you know, he's tall and handsome. You know, sometimes God will bring us to leave things behind willingly or unwillingly. Oh, we got testimonies of people here in this house that came to Korea unwillingly. It was not part of their plan. In fact, when it started happening, they resisted all the way to the bank. Prime example is Pastor Caleb. Our campus pastor down in Busan, our church plant in Busan. Pastor Caleb did a lot of drugs. And he got caught. And he went to jail. But even after he came out of jail, he kept doing drugs. And one day he was so high on drugs, police tried to pull him over. And he thought, in his mind, I can get away. So he led the police on a high-speed chase throughout L.A. It was televised on the local news. Helicopters hovering over everything. And the way the police found him was through one of them dogs. Like, you can hide, but man, them dogs will find you. They find you. It's just, it's just a dog, but man, it's scary, man. Them dogs, man, they, they, they're not trained to really like, attack and bite like, like really vicious. But man, they look scary, man. They find you, man. You, you go. And, and they found him and they deported him from the hometown he grew up in. He grew up in southern L.A., SoCal. And, the, and because he never changed his citizenship, 
to the U.S. He's still a Korean citizen. The the U.S. court just said, you know what? We're gonna just kick you out the country. It'll, it won't be our problem anymore. And Caleb came to Korea unwillingly, unplanned. And you know what? For the first like year and a half, how long was it, Caleb? I don't know how long it was, but he'll tell you. It was like a long time, like a, like a year, year and a half. He just kept grieving about the fact that he can never go back to L.A. He kept thinking about how he can never eat a true authentic Mexican taco <laughs> at King's Tacos or wherever those places are. He kept grieving about how he can't, doesn't have the luxury to go see his family whenever he wants. He just kept grieving. And you know what? That's appropriate. That's kind of harsh. But you grieve and then you got to move forward. But some people, they grieve, and they take a few steps. Then they grieve again. <laughs> take a few steps. Then they grieve again. <laughs> take a few steps back. And then they grieve again. That's not, there's no way to live your life. What Caleb didn't see in the bigger picture was, it was God's plan to bring him out of that environment and place him here in this community. To raise him up. He had better chances of being a powerful pastor here in Korea than rather than Biola University. As much as I'm sure that's a great school. <laughs> Some of you, that's your story. You actually arrived this past month in Korea unwillingly. Visa trouble, financial crisis. Family trouble. And you're here and you're like, this is not, my, why is my life being put on hold like this? This is not where I want to be. And every day, you, every Sunday you come to church and you're like, well, this is an amazing church. I'm so blessed to be here. I'm just live, I just worship you, Lord. What a great message. What a funny pastor. I'm so blessed by these sermons. <laughs> and then the moment you walk out the door, <laughs> Uh, I got New York on my mind. Uh, you know, just grieving and think. I was trying to think about the, uh, the tune, but I couldn't get the melody. New York on my mind. Isn't that a song? It's like a jazz song. <laughs> New York on my mind, right? It's a new jazz song. Anyway, you're just grieving and you, you need to move forward. But all you think about is what you left behind. Look, if you've been here long enough and you realize, you know what, maybe God doesn't want me here temporarily, maybe God wants me here a little longer than that, then you need to just recognize the season you're in and be thankful. Rejoice and make the most of what you got. You know, the believers in the book of Acts, they have this amazing community. And scholars and seminarians love talking about what an ideal community it was. My question is, if it was so ideal, why did God mess it up? Now, I'm not saying it wasn't ideal. But if it was so good, why, was, why did God himself be like, persecution? And they all got scattered. But here's the thing. Those first believers, they didn't go to Samaria. and They didn't go to the other towns. And then they start thinking, oh, oh, all those good old days and reminiscing about, yeah, yeah, remember the community we had back, back, yeah, yeah. They didn't, they didn't grieve over that. They went to Samaria preaching the gospel. They made the most and they adapted. The Apostle Paul, he was at Antioch. He loved Antioch. That was the city and the church that really believed in him and sent them out. 
But as Paul was called upon to go to city after city after city, Paul wasn't spending and wasting all of his time grieving about the good old days of Antioch. Paul knew that loss is not loss, but loss is gain. When you do it for the cause of Christ, there is no loss. We need to say to the Lord, Lord, everything I have is yours. And Lord, if you call, I want to obey. If you lead, I want to follow. And I want to follow joyfully. And I want to make the most of wherever you place me. And if I have to grieve over what I left behind, I'll do that. But I'm not going to stay in a state of perpetual grief. Hallelujah. I'm ready to end right now. Hallelujah. Praise team. Praise team, get ready. Praise team, get ready. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God, New Philly, guests, we need to stop thinking of loss as loss. We need to stop thinking of loss as loss, and we need to think of loss as gain. Jesus promised, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life You know, growing up in Philly, I had the unfortunate experience of being robbed on several occasions. Let me tell you something. Getting robbed is one of the worst feelings in the world. It makes you feel angry. It makes you feel like there was an injustice done to you. Whether they take a dollar whether they take a hundred dollars it doesn't matter how much they take but getting robbed is like the worst feeling having someone force their will upon you and then to take what you have it's very difficult to wish anything good on that person but think about it this way some of us in here we have those same feelings toward God And we feel like God has robbed us. God has taken things away from me. God has made me leave behind things that are so good, that were so precious to me. And today you need to shift your minds. Because if you keep thinking that way, you're not going to be able to hear clearly from the God who is leading you into the promised land. Whatever feelings you have like God's robbed you, 
you need to understand God's not robbing you. Anything He takes from you, He does it to bring you to a better place. He does it in order to bless you even more. He does it in order to bring breakthrough in areas that have been held up by the enemy's strongholds. God doesn't rob you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. I'm going to ask all the people that are being sent out on our our church plants to punch the I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. For you guys, the decision you've made, you're starting to discover more and more what it really means, what it really entails. And Aaron and I, yesterday, we noticed that all of the singles were practically about to cry. Only people that were kind of smiling were Diddy and Hewan. But the singles, man, they just look like we're about to rip their heart out. It's tough, right? It's tough. In these coming weeks, you may discover more and more what it means for you to obey Jesus in this way. For you to be sent out on and build up these church plants. But I want you to determine, predetermine, premeditate something in your mind right now. That whatever costs that God is calling you to pay, whatever good things that He's calling you to leave behind, even this community that you love so much, that you've sown into and helped build up, as you leave these things behind, there is no loss. There's only gain. There is no loss. There is no loss. Whoever has left houses or mothers or brothers or fathers, sisters, will not fail to receive in this life houses and mothers and brothers you might be leaving a family behind a church family behind but God is calling you to go and build up a new church family because God's heart is for the lost God's heart is for the prodigal and so many people are ignoring his heart as you get closer to him you have to recognize that his heart goes out for the lost his heart goes out for those who are not within a covenant community who do not know their identity. And He's calling those who know who they are to go out and bring home the lost. To pick up the lost sheep. Heal them. Bandage up their wounds. And bring them home. There is no loss. You will be blessed. You will be rewarded. Don't worry about your marriage. Don't worry about your housing. Don't worry about any of that. Jesus said... Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All these things will be added onto you. All these things will be added onto you. If the Father takes care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more will He take care of you? Do you not think that God sees what you're doing? Do you not think that this is His idea to begin with? There is no loss. Everyone, I want you to pray for those who are going to be sent out right now. Just pray for them. Pray for them. Come on.